This is yet another episode from the TGV Global Speaker Series and our guest for today is Jeremy Au. He is from Singapore. Jeremy is a dedicated investor and entrepreneur focused on transforming lives through his investments and leadership initiatives. With a track record of co-founding successful startups, he is a growth-driven problem solver and an advocate for authentic leadership. He's currently a venture capitalist with Monks Hill Ventures investing in startups across Southeast Asia. Recognized by Forbes and Prestige with an MBA from Harvard and a background in economics, Jeremy is a multifaceted individual who combines business acumen with a passion for podcasting and community engagement with over 40,000 monthly listeners with the Brave podcast at bravec.com. and uh, the way you spell it is www.braveseea.com so make sure that you visit his website bravece.com and uh, you will find the link in the show notes or the episode description and as we prepare to delve into our conversation on the topic at hand unveiling southeast asia's startup gold mine navigating venture capitalist and entrepreneurship So it is an exciting twist. First, let us tickle Jeremy's brain. And Jeremy, I am going to kick off the rapid fire round of random words. I'll mention a few words, and I would love to hear the first thing that comes to your mind in response without thinking much. And if you are ready, let's get started. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Comes the first word: curiosity. Uh, cats. <laughs> <laughs> Invention. Oh, every day. Future. uh today book terry pratchett yeah movie uh terry pratchett yeah. <laughs> food uh food is a uh, paranakan yeah. mm-hmm. wealth uh family startup uh life <laughs> universe nice to hang out in <laughs> the last one is creativity ah uh, you know uh comes when comes make sure you have a notepad <laughs> awesome so jeremy thanks for participating in the first rapid fire round so sportingly there is one more rapid fire round towards the end of the episode so stay tuned and folks welcome to the guiding voice podcast series where we embark on transformative conversations for a better future i'm your host navin samala dedicated to making the world a better place through valuable discussions that add value not only to your life but also to your career thank you so much for tuning in and jeremy hearty welcome to tgv the guiding voice podcast series thank you so much for being part of our journey in shaping the careers and lives of millions across the globe how are you doing today ah it's great uh, and i love the energy level that we have here today so looking forward <laughs> to the rest of this discussion here yeah same here pleasure to have you man it is one of the much awaited conversations i have been wanting to host people like you who are on the other side of the table investing in startups i would like to get the maximum out of our conversation so that it will be helpful for the fellow entrepreneurs who are really looking for some guidance from reputed vcs like you and jeremy without further ado let's begin with your success mantra so please share with us the top 3 things that have contributed to your success so far i think first of all is uh you know have great mentors so always take the opportunity that if you find somebody who's willing to be a mentor or someone that you look up to you know take the opportunity to be a good mentee uh you know set up time have good conversations be honest authentic uh and 
and don't be afraid, right, to yeah. uh, be honest about it because um, the truth is, you know, every mentor also wants a mentee to somebody else. So if they're willing to help you, that means they like you, right? And so uh, take the opportunity and uh, hopefully one day, you know, you help other people, you know, take the next uh, step up as well and be a mentor yourself. I think the second thing that's really about success is um, the fact that you have to have trade-offs, right? Um, if you say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. So one thing I've said no to uh, is, you know, I was doing my Harvard MBA mm-hmm. and obviously there's so many opportunities, right? You know, you get to see uh, all these like folks like Clayton Christensen, he coined the word disruption. Uh, you have, you know, Michael Porter, Porter's Five Forces, you know, you know all these like <laughs> great people there talking. And there's always the, all these like uh, information sessions and lessons. And one thing I realized was that, you know, I made a rule for myself, which was that if I'm at a party where I can't hear somebody mm-hmm. else, yeah. I'm not going to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason why is that, you know, I'm really at the party or really at the discussion to really get to know somebody else well. And because mm-hmm. of that, you know, if I can't hear them at all because of the music or the sound, then why am I there? And I'm just really honestly just not having a deep conversation. I'm very, having a very shallow conversation that's, you know, driven, for example, by alcohol and hanging and socializing. So don't get me wrong, I'll still go to the dance floor and dance a bit. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'd rather have, uh, you know, a smaller or private conversation at home or a dinner party to have that conversation. Um, the third thing that has really contributed to success um, is the fact that, you know, there's always a risk, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is that in life, um, anything you want to do, um, mm-hmm. you're probably going to screw up at some point of time, uh, small moments and big moments. Yeah. Uh, and the truth is um, you have to do both. Yeah. Mm, awesome. Jeremy, let's uh, start getting into the VC part of our conversation. I'm really curious, why did you become a VC? Like, has it there been since your childhood or maybe you started thinking about it during your MBA at Harvard or when did it actually creep into your mind about becoming any VC? Yeah, uh, I mean, the short answer is I wasn't expecting to be one. I think when I was a founder, I had to pitch a lot of VCs. And I can tell you right now that there were good VCs, there were great VCs, there was below average VCs, and there were terrible VCs <laughs> that I had to, you know, uh, look to fundraise from, right? Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I think that as a founder, I was very much focused on my business and, you know, kind of like pretty wary in, in even as sometimes adversarial with VCs. Um, but after, you know, kind of like selling the company and moving on, I had a one year, you know, kind of like uh, an out period after the acquisition. And so I think it was an interesting dynamic where, um, you know, I got the opportunity to be a VC and, you know, I thought about it. And to be honest, truth is, I think a big part of why I did it was because um, uh, Ping Sin, who uh, is my boss, uh, has mm-hmm. a great reputation. So, you know, we reached out and said, hey, you know, this is something that's interesting. I had a conversation with him. You know, I had heard a lot of great things about him as a VC, but also as a coach. And so I think I really took that job uh, because Mm. of him. Uh, And less so about a VC. But I think for me, the VC side of it was, I think there was an intellectual curiosity, which is like, you know, I've been on one side of the table as a founder. And I felt like going to the other side of the table as a VC would let me understand what was going on. Let me have a bigger view about some of the behaviors that I saw uh, as a founder. So I thought it was just an interesting exploration. And I think what's interesting is that, you know, I, the opportunity arrived uh, and then I took it and I was like, oh, now I, you know, I really understand a lot more about what's going on about the region um, and 
the dynamics of startups and venture capital fundraising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what are some key trends and developments that you have observed in the Southeast Asian venture capital landscape in the last few years? Yeah, and I think the short answer is that it's growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if you go back, you know, 10 years ago, you know, yeah. there was hardly any venture capital in Southeast Asia, right? And you yeah. go deeper, you know, most of it was really in Singapore at that point of time. And, you know, there was very little capital going even to countries like Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, let alone, you know, uh, Malaysia and Thailand. So I thought today, you know, we see that vibrant ecosystem where now there are pre-seed, seed and sometimes series A funds uh, all across the whole region. And so I think that's a big trend is that it's been growing. I think obviously there was a little bit of a dip in terms of activity over the past two years ever since America ended zero interest rate policy. Uh, but, you know, fundamentally, there's still so many growth industries and sectors that are still possible. Um, so I think Southeast Asia venture capital is very much like trying to figure out, okay, you know, we're not playing by the US playbook. Yeah. Uh, so what are the local opportunities that really exist and how do we deploy capital? Mm. Uh, not just to expand it and innovate, but also to do it in a responsible way in light of the current exit environment. Amazing, amazing. And uh, Jeremy, can you also share some success stories of startups in the Southeast Asian market that have thrived with the support of VCs? Yeah, so, you know, I think the, you know, classic story released right now is, you know, you see uh, Grab as well as GoTo, both of these are, you know, right-hailing companies that have uh, become possible uh, and Mm -hmm. have grown over time due to venture capital, right? So all the way from the early stages, all the way to the late stage capital and eventually going public, right? And so GoTo has gone public on the Indonesia Stock Exchange uh, and Grab uh, has gone public on the US Stock Exchange. And so I think there's an interesting dynamic where if you think about it, there's so much expertise that needs to be built out uh, in terms of venture capital and the startup founders journey. I think you have to start out, you have to figure out whether it makes sense, you have to compete against Uber, for example, in the early days. And then after that, you have to go and build out your regional leadership team, enter new markets, and then eventually bring on a banker to help you with your IPO or spec process. Like there's actually a lot of complexity. And so, you know, I think it's really when you have great founders working with great venture capital partners that you're able to have a great exit outcome. Mm -hmm. Nice. I think these are some great examples. And let's talk about the sectors or the industries. So in your opinion, are there a particular set of sectors or industries that you believe hold great potential for growth and investment in the region? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, one particular, you know, sector that I've been formulating and you can check out my podcast at www.bravesea.com to check it out for yourself. Uh, But really, I think one category is really called what I call corridors, not markets. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that you know, in the US, for example, you know, I was working across, you know, our startup was in Boston and New York, right? And so obviously we looked at it as two different markets and we wouldn't really look at it as a corridor. Uh, but I think if you look at, for example, Singapore and Kuala Lumpur, right? You know, that's yeah. a corridor, right? And there's a lot of travel that happens uh, to and fro in terms of obviously flights and travels and cars, but also in terms of business, uh, you know, models, uh, in terms of like, you know, multi country businesses, commodities. I mean, the biggest story I always remember is like, you know, you have durians traveling from you know, Malaysia, traveling right. south to Singapore, right? Because Singapore is willing to pay and then the durians have to ripen in a truck, right? So what I'm trying to say here is that um, there's actually a corridor dynamic where um, there's also a corridor, for example, between Japan 
uh, and mm. Southeast Asia, right? Uh, because looking to invest Korea and Southeast Asia. So I think looking at companies that are helping service the corridor, so helping companies, for example, that are headquartered, Japan expand in Southeast Asia. Another example would be like remittances, uh, travel, uh, logistics, shipping. These are all corridors mm-hmm. where people are traveling between countries. And these are historically, you normally see three companies. Uh, you normally see, you know, the outbound uh, company, and you see the inbound company, and then there's a middleman in between, right? And so I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, make things happen there. Awesome, awesome. And uh, let's also focus on navigating the complexities of cultural and regulatory differences when expanding businesses in Southeast Asia. So how can startups deal with this kind of cultural complexities as well as regulatory compliance or differences? Yeah, you know, I think cultural is probably your first thing you encounter and regulatory tends to be a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think upfront, you know, culturally, the truth is, you know, countries are very different, right? You know, so yeah. uh, if you look at, for example, I mean, Singapore, Malaysia are quite similar, right? It used to be the same Mal- British Malaya, you know, back in the day, right? Um, so I think it, there's less cultural difference, you know, to some extent, even though there are some regulatory differences. Uh, but I would say that Singapore to Thailand, for example, will have more of a difference compared to Singapore and Malaysia culturally, right? And if you think about it, you know, the flight differences are not too huge <laughs> if you think mm-hmm. about it. Uh, so a lot of people kind of get confused, right? Because they're like, oh, Southeast Asia is just one region, but it's not, right? It's uh, multiple different countries. Um, and if you think about it, you know, you look at Indonesia and Philippines, okay, you know, both of them are island chains, for example, but they're actually really far apart, actually, if you think about it. But there are some similarities, but then there's mm-hmm. a lot of differences culturally as well. Um, and so, you know, the way that you're thinking about it is has to be thoughtful and mindful of these cultural differences. I think regulatory differences are a little bit more straightforward. I think you just have to ask the regulators and talk to people who've done business in that category and just be like, hey, what do we need to do, right? So I think regulatory is easy, but I think culturally you can see, I've seen some people make some big mistakes because, um, you know, um, I think it's a mistake if you're an expatriate who doesn't really understand the local market and so mm-hmm. you don't localize the business properly mm-hmm. and then you end up building a wrong business or a country that's theoretical and not actually the market that you're in, right? Um, so a classic mistake that we had, for example, is, um, you know, we look at quick commerce, for example, right? So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of companies look at US, like, oh, great, a lot of people are doing, you know, <laughs> five-minute delivery, right? And then you're yeah. like, okay, so let's go to you know Southeast Asia and say, hey, what's a five minute delivery? And then suddenly you know you're moving a bag of rice you know across the country. <laughs> it's a city, and you're not gonna make any money in it, right? I mean, example. But the truth is, yeah, people want a bag of rice or people want something. Yeah, you know, I think as I'm saying, like I think there's differences um, that's important for folks to be thoughtful about. Mm, got it. Got it. Jeremy, now I'm also curious about uh, some memorable success story or a pivot moment in your startup journey, which might have taught you valuable lessons about entrepreneurship. I, you know, I think for me, you know, I think about my first business and, you know, that was very much a straightforward. It was a social enterprise. It was a consultancy for the social sector. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself that, you know, my co-founder was somebody that I didn't expect to meet. And what I mean by that was, um, I had actually first met him uh, in secondary school. Uh, we were acquaintances and uh, we didn't hang out, right? You know, he had his friends and I had his friends, but we were kind of acquaintances. And then we became very good friends in the army. 
mm-hmm. uh, where you know we were assigned by chance, you know, oh, okay. to you know like you know to the same uh, section. So mm-hmm. we'll sleep on the bed there, and then I'll be on the bed next to him, right? You know, so you know like we we're that close, and then we were like you know uh, buddies, right? Mm. Uh, and so you know I was even you know assigned and had to you know dig a trench with him as well, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you ever build a dig, dug a trench, but it's a lot of work, especially when he's tall and um, wide. So it means you have to dig, dig a deeper trench and wider trench than you normally have to. But yeah, you know, I think when you work someone like that, you know, you become really good friends. And then fast forward, you know, five, ten years, and then you become, you know, co-founders, right? Uh, together, I think it's a really wonderful experience they have. And so I think uh, for entrepreneurship, a lot of it really boils down to serendipity as well. So taking an opportunity to uh, meet people. And make special things happen is really important. And, and what role does this mentorship and networking play in helping entrepreneurs navigate the complexities of the startup world? Like you mentioned, mentorship has played a critical role in your success, right? But I'm interested in terms of navigating the complexities of the startup world. Do you think mentorship is going to help you go to that next level? Yeah, I think for me, you know, at the end of the day you know, entrepreneurs have to do something special, which is mm-hmm. to make something out of nothing. Uh, so, I mean, but as you, you, you see a problem, yeah. you want to make a business appear that's going to solve the problem, right? But yeah. the truth is, you know, the reason why you call it entrepreneur is because you don't have all the resources that you need uh, to make it happen, right? Otherwise, you know, if you are like Apple and you're like, okay, I want to create, you know, I want to, you know, improve my iPhone 15 to the iPhone 16. You know, that's not entrepreneurship, right? Because it's just innovating, but that's true. Yeah. You. But you already have the resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, that's not founder, right? That's just saying like innovating, right? But yeah. So I think founders have to create something of nothing. But the trick is, how do you create something of nothing? Well, the truth is you have to attract the resources and the people uh, and the support needed to make it happen. And so I think great founders really do a good job with, in terms of, I wouldn't call it networking, but really being a champion for what they're building and attracting people who want to be on the same journey with them. Uh, and that means they have to attract capital, obviously, you know, so they have to attract venture capital or angels or people support them. Also, they have to attract people to work for them, right? Employees, yeah. teammates, co-founders. And they also have to attract uh, the attention, right? So whether it's press, customers, partners. So, I think that's something that entrepreneurs really have to do and do a great job championing and attracting people to work with them. Amazing. I, I loved every bit of this conversation and it's time for us to add some more spice and some more excitement to the episode. So Jeremy, I would like to kick off the second rapid fire round with a set of intriguing questions. If you're ready, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, here comes the first question. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? I would say, uh, you know, bravery is uh, grace under pressure. And the reason why I'm saying that is that you know, I think everybody wants to be brave, right? Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people are like, okay, what does it mean? So I, I think, I think obviously we know someone's brave when they take action, right? So there's some level of grace, right? Professionalism, discipline, where they still take action, right? Yeah. So there's some level of grace that happens there. But the truth is, you know, you are also under pressure, right? Because, you know, if you're brave, but there's, there's no pressure, there's no fear, then you're not being brave, right? You're just, you know, doing a normal day job, right? So I think, I really think about bravery is just, um, you know, there, there's a pressure, there's fear, there's shadow, 
but mm-hmm. also you can act with grace and professionalism and discipline superb here comes the next one what is the most exciting startup you have invested in and why yeah you know i'm really excited uh, about company uh, that I invested in uh, is called uh, acme acme mm-hmm. uh, and basically what they're doing is that you know this is jx is a great guy super solid and what he's doing is that he is uh, building on a b2b basis building financial api automation for businesses to be better able to manage their financial operations workflow across uh, asia so i think it's really interesting very technical uh, but i think there's an interesting part because if you make companies more efficient then you know you help open up a whole bunch of infrastructure and therefore as a result uh, financial products but also operational products that's available for the region as well super and can you describe yourself in just one word i would say uh, strategic um so i'm very much focused on what are the dynamics that we have to do and mm-hmm. i always tell people like you know strategy is about what you do mm-hmm. it's also about what you don't do mm-hmm. uh, and you have to be very very crisp because about that because if you're not strategic then you end up saying like you know there's this a wish list right cuz like, i want to do everything i want to be number one. i want to be popular i want to have friends i want a family you know <laughs> they go to the company right you know yeah. we want to market share we want to be profitable i think uh, i think it's underrated um, about why it takes to be truly strategic yeah <laughs> and can you describe the qualities that you look for in a startup uh, pitch in three words direct mhm is one word yeah and what i mean by direct is that you know i think a lot of startups have a lot of like fancy words or a big vision or fluff Mm-hmm. And so you just want people to be very direct like okay you know who is the customer what is the number one problem why do the current solutions not work how am i solving it so being very direct as possible is really important okay because if you're indirect then it's very hard for us to get to the answer about what the reality of the world is and the second is experimental um, okay so what i mean by that is that at the end of the day This startup is an experiment, right? Which is that you yeah. believe that this is going to work, uh, and other people believe it's not going to work. So it's an experiment. So having that flexibility to be like, okay, I'm willing to change this, change that. You know, when I build this out with a million dollars, we could discover that this is going to work, and we're going to discover that that's not going to work. And if that's not going to work, then we're going to change it this way. So I think there's a little bit of an idea maze that's happened. So I think I think a startup pitch needs to be, you know, you can't be like, okay. this is 100% going to work and it's going to make you everybody billions of dollars okay sure but i think just being a little bit thoughtful about what the experiment and the risk points are and the milestones we need to build is really important so i think experiment is a big part of it you know i think the third thing is uh leadership right um yeah. so you know you're looking for a startup that's really taking leadership on it and what i mean by that is like hey you know we are willing to engage our customers lead them you know i've already talked about the cohorts I really thought about what needs to be done. I really thought about so just taking more of a leadership role instead of like a more reactive role which is like hey VC what what do you want to see? Hey VC, <laughs> you know what you know, it, it, I mean as I'm saying like at the end of the day, you know, VCs are here to support founders and so founders really need to take up that leadership role as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. Great. I I love so direct experimental and leadership are the three words. Yeah. Jeremy, can you also share an unconventional or unexpected way you have discovered a promising startup? Maybe they might have not come or approached you for pitching. 
has it happened like that <laughs> yeah you know i think so you know i think there's all kinds of ways that you know startups can be found uh, but i think the most fun one was um iterative scopes so jonathan ng uh he and i were both from boston and you know, i was at one of those meetings and hanging out and um somebody was like oh you know oh you're, you're singaporean and you're in boston you're a founder have you heard of this guy called jonathan and i'm like no i i don't know who jonathan is i you know and so you know i kept getting this message about oh have you met jonathan or we went over in boston so at some point i found the kiss contact on facebook and i just messaged him and i was like hey you know people keep mentioning your name to me so i figured i was just you know we should hang out and you know, get to know each other so at least can put a face to a name. Uh, and so we end up hanging out and we end up being good friends uh, in Boston and both founders. And then eventually I had an opportunity to invest in this company personally. Uh, and so it was great because, you know, we moved from, you know, strangers who didn't know each other to, you know, neighbors who were, you know, you know cooking meals together to eventually having opportunity to invest in this company, which does um, computer vision for colonoscopies, right? So, mm. really fascinating company that has, you know, grown tremendously with multiple growth rounds so far. <laughs> okay, comes the next bullet. What is the most common mistake you see founders make when pitching to VCs? Explain the problem. So, a lot of founders are very focused on talking about a solution, about mm-hmm. why it makes sense, and so forth. But what exactly is the problem that's being solved? Is it a number one problem? Who is that pain uh, in the rear for, right? Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of theoretical stuff. So sometimes the way they might hide it, you know, would be like, uh, oh, you know, McKinsey says that this market will grow by 50%. I'm like, okay, well, but but what's the problem? You know, it's not like all IT services or all generative AI, et cetera, right? So what's the problem that's being solved, right? Yeah. And and what will be your one piece of advice to early stage founders? You know, self-awareness is important. Um, mm-hmm. So the truth is, if you're an early stage founder, uh, you're probably not that good. Uh, and what I mean by that is that you're just young. You know, I was an early stage founder and I look back at myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, Jeremy, like you had no idea how to do so many things, right? So I think it's totally normal for an early stage founder to be less experienced. You know, I was an early stage inexperienced founder. I think what differentiates strong founders versus um, founders that don't make it, because the truth is only one out of 40 startups will eventually become a unicorn, mm-hmm. is that if you think about it, it's really about how good the founder is, right? You know? Yeah. So if the founder is good and learning and getting stronger, then that team will be able to get there eventually, right? So, but the thing is, if you don't have self-awareness, you won't get there. Because, <laughs> you know, if you're not self-aware about what you're good at, what you, what you need to improve on, then you can be strong at the moment uh, relative to your peers. But then if you're not self-aware, then eventually... There's somebody else who's younger, earlier stage, inexperienced, but they're self-aware. They're going to learn faster and eventually get there. Yeah, great. And here comes the last bullet out of Rapid Fire. What is one electronic gadget or a fantasy gadget that you like to see or invent yourself? So many different things. <laughs> uh, but I think the one that would be great yeah, is that, you know, I'm, I'm uh, helping my kid learn kind of like Mandarin right now. So there's a three-year-old and one-year-old. So I'm giving them exposure. So I think one electronic gadget would be love to see or event is like, hey, you know, is there a way to help them like magically learn languages? I mean, you know, heck, you know, I, I would love to learn like one or two more languages as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's really a translator because, you know, a, a universal translator is good. Don't get me wrong. And I think <laughs> we're quite close to inventing it anyway because we have ChatGPT, we have translation stuff. I think we're getting quite close there. 
But I think you know, being able to speak in someone else's language and understand what they're saying, uh, mm-hmm. the concepts and the jokes and all this other stuff, I think it's quite special, right? So I don't think it's a universal translator, but like kind of, sort of like automatic language learner, right? You know, the <laughs> uh, gadget to have. Yeah, I, I loved it. This is one of the unique ideas. I think it's a great startup idea as well. <laughs> yeah. Good one, great rapid fire, and let's flip back to the mainstream. So, Jeremy, how can aspiring entrepreneurs find the right resources, support, and funding to kickstart their startup journey? Like, do you have any forums? or any groups or anything that you would like to share any other resources yeah uh, well you know happy to join the brave podcast uh, we have a active <laughs> community group there uh, you know i also do a lot of writing uh, on you know how to fundraise uh, how to build a company uh, there's a lot of great interviews that we have with uh, a lot of leaders across southeast asia uh, and you know we're slowly building out more and more resources for members you know especially on uh, the context of how to fundraise successfully but also how to reach program market fit as well hmm, superb fabulous i i loved our conversation this has been really great i think it is going to help all the aspiring entrepreneurs and also budding entrepreneurs out there in terms of thinking in the right direction before approaching the vcs and thank you so much and before i let you go please share with me how is your experience being hosted on the guiding wise podcast i think you are on the other side of the table as a podcaster right you normally interview and you run your own show so this time you joined me as a guest being on the other side so how is it being hosted on my show it was great thank you so much for hosting me <laughs> all right so pleasure to talk to you and i really appreciate you taking time for joining me and uh, by taking time out of your busy schedule and engaging in this enriching conversation and looking forward to many more in future so really appreciate it jeremy thank you so much all right so friends that was our episode with jeremy au and before we jump into the fun trivia section we have a quick request in case if you haven't already subscribed to us please subscribe to the guiding voice podcast from wherever you have tuned in because subscribing helps you and keeps you updated on new episodes and if you have enjoyed the conversation and found it useful please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who would also like the guiding voice so spread the knowledge and help others grow just like you all right so now let's cruise into the trivia segment and today's trivia is about south east asia Now that we have had an amazing conversation with a venture capitalist who is investing in Southeast Asia I thought I would present a few facts which are less known related to Southeast Asia first one is about mega diverse ecosystems Southeast Asia is one of the world's most biologically diverse regions and it is home to an astonishing array of species including some of the world's rarest and most exotic animals such as javan rhinoceros and the bornean orangutan second is about the world's largest archipelago indonesia located in southeast asia is not only the world's fourth most populous country but also the largest archipelago it comprises over 17000 islands and the country's diverse cultures and languages are spread across this vast maritime nation third is about rich culinary heritage while thai vietnamese and chinese cuisines have often take the spotlight southeast asia offers a myriad of lesser known culinary delights for example the cuisine of uh, laos 
Cambodia and Myanmar presents unique and delicious flavors often influenced by the region's rich history and geography. These cuisines are gaining recognition as global food enthusiasts explore new tastes. So likewise, if you have any interesting facts related to Southeast Asia, or if you have any tips for startups who are about to approach VCs for funding, I would love to hear your thoughts on any of these topics. So you can comment on YouTube or you can comment on social media platforms wherever you have found this episode. If you have, if you have found it on some audio platforms like Spotify or Apple or any other podcast listening platform. That's it for today. So thank you so much once again for tuning in and also for being part of our awesome TGV community. Folks, we would love to hear from you. So do not hesitate to share your ideas, feedback, topic recommendations and guest speaker suggestions either through social media or you can also email us at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com and let's create content that resonates with you. I am your host, Navin Samala, lifelong learner and my goal is to have impactful conversations that add value not only to your life but also to your career. Until next time, take care, stay inspired and remember, the future holds great things because the best is yet to come. Goodbye for now. See you all in the next episode with another amazing guest.